0: Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. I want to thank you for joining us here this morning. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, I want to thank you for logging in and tuning in. Uh, for those of you on out of time this morning, would you please stand and worship with us? Sing a little twist on a classic. Event. this morning. Choice around. Good morning, church. You may be seated. I want to just bring to your attention this morning um, a little uh, insert into your bulletins. Uh, We have the Charles Billingsley concert coming up here December 15th and 16th. That's going to be at 7 o'clock here in the auditorium. Uh, If you have not purchased your tickets yet, there's still a little bit of time. Uh, If you go online, uh, you can sign in uh, at crsmin.com, and that happens to also be the um, discount code, CRSMIN. So you get a discount code on your tickets. Um, We just ask you to just grab this pamphlet, buy a ticket, buy one for your friends, buy one for your families. Hand this pamphlet out. um, Just help share the joy of this season uh, with them and just the love of Jesus Christ. Um, With that, we have a short clip of the Charles Billingsley video here. City sidewalks busy sidewalks, dress in holiday style. In the air, there's
1: a feeling
0: of Christmas. Children laughing, people...
2: Hi, I'm Charles Billingsley. One of my favorite things in the world is Christmas. And you know what? I love the Christmas music. So if you like Christmas music, I've got a treat for you. We are here at East West Studio in Los Angeles, where people like Frank Sinatra, Whitney Houston, John Mayer, a long list of people have recorded some huge hits. And I'm thrilled because we're doing this in a very special way. I've pulled together about 50 amazing musicians to be in the same room to record this Christmas record together. It's very very much in the style of the 50s music, big band style, big string section. It's going to be a blast and I think you're going to really enjoy this project. I can't wait for you to hear it. It's Christmas time again.
3: I'm not going to sing. Don't worry. I promise. Man, that guy can sing. And listen, he's going to be here at our church on the 15th and the 16th of December. Listen, get your tickets. This is going to be a great two nights and uh, there's going to be dessert afterwards. It's Christmas time. Christmas songs. It's going to be getting into the spirit of Christmas. And here's the bigger point. We're going to be sharing about the love of Christ. And so I encourage you, grab this invite, grab this invite in your bulletin, and invite someone to join you, and it is going to be a phenomenal two nights. So God's going to do something powerful. So be praying for this event, uh, both nights, the 15th and 16th, and get your tickets online, or you can go into the front office, so go through the lobby, head and towards uh, the hallway and then on the first door on your left we're gonna be selling tickets uh, here in the building this morning so after the service grab your tickets or online just make sure you use that code and then you get that special discount on each of the ticket purchases but this is going to be a great nights, so be in prayer and then invite someone grab this like like Kyle said grab this and sh- and just share the joy of this Christmas season which is Jesus amen and so that's gonna be the 15th and 16th and then church I want to let you know a few things more Uh, That we have our Christmas Eve uh, candlelight gathering is going to be on the 2 p.m., 4 p.m., and then 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve. So plan to join us. And then Christmas Day at 10 a.m. So 10 a.m. on Christmas Day and then New Year's Day we're going to be having our, uh, our, our Sunday morning gathering at 10 a.m. So Christmas Day and New Year's Day, 10 a.m. And then Christmas Eve 2, 4, and 6. So we look forward to seeing you on those three days and just celebrating Christ like we do every single weekend. And we're going to be just talking about the birth of Jesus. And we're going to be celebrating the new year uh, with our Savior. So it's going to be a good, just an awesome time as a church family. And we look forward to seeing what God's going to do. Um, At church, I want to say thank you for your giving. Thank you for being faithful and giving unto the Lord, giving through the boxes, the mail. And also online for just being faithful on all that God is growing us and growing us to, to be stewards of all that he's given us financially. And so thank you for being faithful in that. And uh, also for the birthday gift of Jesus, our goal is a uh, is $100,000. And we are praying that God would provide for the needs of these missionaries and organizations. And at this time, one of the missionaries uh, on the birthday gift to Jesus is Jeff and Arlene Berg. So would you welcome Jeff and Arlene Berg. They're going to be sharing an update. Yeah.
4: Good morning. Jeff's going to read a scripture, and then I'm going to say a few words, and then he will. But just, just remember, um, you're part of our outreach in the Jewish community. It's because of you we can do what we do with God's help and his prayer. Yeah, it's so
2: wonderful to report to the home team. But anyway, in the book of James, it says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. This scripture really defines our ministry, and you just can't go and abruptly preach to people. Uh, They need to see that you're genuine, sincere, and as we go along, as our faith rolls out, there needs to be works, or even more importantly, heart, that goes along with what we're doing.
4: And you are a great part of the ambulance dedication, the ambulance that we were able to send to Israel, raise money. And finally, it's on its way to Israel, and you are a great part of it. And there's a picture. These are the um, kids from the community day school. We have a dedication here on Sunday on September 11th, then September 12th. We have the dedication at the community day school when the Jewish community came to see what happened these are some of the kids well all the kids in the school were able to go into the ambulance to see it and they knew that a christian church had raised the money and their um, teachers um, uh, told them to write notes of thanks and send it to the church here we got them all and we showed them to cross to the um canopy kids, and the kids on December 18th are going to be writing little Hanukkah greetings back to the kids, so we're going to have a connection with the Jewish kids in the community, So and they're going to be able to show them the love of Christ, so just pray for that. And then not only that, but people within the community um, saw what happened and the ambulance and the love that was behind it, and we have a friend who's um, pretty prominent. And the community, and she keeps saying this to us. And we know she knows what the answer is, but she can't come to grips. She says, there's something different about you, and I can't put my finger on it. She knows, she knows what it is. Pray that you'll come to grips with it. And not only that, but many um, in the community will also. And she knows our church has something different, too. You do about you, and so pray that you'll come to grips with it. So, just thank you for your part here and the dedication we had on Sunday. And not only did we um, have the director of the AFMDA, the, the um, sponsorship of the ambulance from um, Chicago, he was here for part of the dedication. A coworker and her, the coworker's daughter, tell him about Eden. <coughs>
2: She's a young lady in her 20s. She was here sitting in the front row, had her hands raised, praising the Lord. And uh, as Arlene's friend said, she can't figure us out, we're still trying to figure her out, too. She lives in Pittsburgh, and we just pray that uh, she comes back. She really loved being here. But I just want to add, too, it's so thrilling to see our church in the... uh, Pittsburgh Jewish Chronicle, in the Jerusalem Post, and in the Times of Israel. That means a lot. And um, it's, no, it's great to be known for good things. And it goes a long, long way. And it helps us in a great way as we, again, share our faith. And really, what we're doing sends just a, just a very warm message of Jesus uh, into their lives. Good. No, you can
5: go. No,
0: you. No. You're the one that's meeting
5: So these guys, they, they uh, they've made. We made some really good connections, and they've allowed me to come in uh, just to see a little bit of their ministry. I was there for the uh, for the dedication of the ambulance, and they introduced me to one of the prominent rabbis in Squirrel Hill there, and so uh, he invited me to go to lunch. And so, you know, if you ask me to go to lunch, that, you're, I'm, you're stuck with me for life, right? So uh, this has become a friend of mine now, and we've, uh, we've had lunch, and, and I've enjoyed the, the time getting to, know, getting to know him. And I'll tell you what he told me. He said he's known, known <clears throat> the Bergs for 30 years over there. They've been doing this for 30 years. He said, I wish we could have more Bergs. wish we could have more Jeff and Arlene Bergs to come in. Let's thank God for that. That's powerful. And uh, so they have. Uh, we have made a, a, a big impact on the community over there. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving to the birthday gift to Jesus. Because as you've given to that through the last few years, we've been able to not only support the burgs, but we were able to give it to the uh, to the missionaries. Uh, I'm sorry, to the ambulance fund and to the missionaries. And look at our update there. We're at 35,000, man. Let's thank God for that. We're we're moving forward. All right. So I want to encourage you to continue to pray about your part. Take the uh, the insert and the bulletin. Those are in there every week so that you can be praying over them, asking the Lord, what would be my part? And so my wife and I, we ask the Lord, what would be our part? And we ask the Lord to provide it. And so as the Lord provides, we're able to give unto the Lord. And God has been doing that. God has been providing, and we've been giving. So we're thankful that we can be a part of this, and we're just a small part. But when we all come together, it's a big part, isn't it? That's what God does. So I want to encourage you to be praying about your part. So, Jeff, would you lead us in prayer and just ask the Lord's blessing on, uh, on these, the ministry that you guys have had. Like our church, uh, Crossroads Ministries, is mentioned in the Jerusalem Post. I mean, can you believe that? That's amazing. And uh, I thank God for the big impact we can have from, in, in the hand of the
2: Lord. Amen. I'll just share one quick thing. A year ago this time, you helped pay the ambulance off. Yeah. So I was just reminiscing at that point. We were we needed so much more to go yeah. in our church, and then a couple other people came in, and it was done.
5: God did it. <laughs> and so. God did it. Thanks be to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you, and we just thank you, Lord, for just the the generosity of uh, our our people here at Crossroads. And, Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to open our hearts and minds uh, for how we should give. And we pray, Lord, that you would just bless the the missionaries and the projects that are on this list abundantly. And, Lord, we just know in faith uh, we will come through. And we just pray, Lord, that you would just continue to meet the needs and challenges of each and every one represented on on the list. And even on this day, as many are preaching your word, we pray, Lord, that souls would be saved around the world, even in the Jewish world. And we just lift you up, Lord, and we just pray that you continue to anoint this service. In Jesus' name, amen.
5: amen. And let's all stand together as we continue to worship our great God.
1: How I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who bled to save me And walk with him for all eternity Join the
5: love Christmas time. It's a lot of fun. Don't you love putting up the lights outside and all that? Well, maybe looking at the lights, maybe not putting them up isn't the funnest part, right? Really enjoy looking at the lights. I got to tell you, I, I got into the lights this year. We bought the, these LED icicle lights and I've got them on the porch. And uh, you know, the, I bought some cheapies off of Amazon. I'm so happy with them things. And then we have this Frosty, the snowman out there. And, uh, and so my wife decided to add on the Frosty this year. So we have Frosty the snowman out there, and then we have a baby Frosty, like this little kid Frosty, right? And a little kid Frosty's out there, and so, and in between, we're like three, she got these three gifts that she put out there, these, these, uh, they're lighted, illuminated gifts. It looks really pretty, except for one problem, Uh, the the baby Frosty wasn't tied down quite enough, and so as the wind was kicking up, I looked outside, and Frosty Jr. is just spinning. I mean, he's going nonstop, spinning, Right. So I, being the husband of the year award, right, said that I'm going to go out and I'm going to fix Frosty Jr. So I go out there. It's like 9.30, quarter to 10. She's going, you know, she's crawled into bed. And I'm going to go out. I'm taking one for the team. I go out there and I'm going down to fix Frosty Jr. And as I do, I put my hand out and I crush one of the new gifts that are out there. I mean, just crush the thing. And uh, it's been a wonderful week on the couch. It's just beautiful. But uh, listen, it... it we pulled that thing back together, and it's just looking so pretty out there. It's a fun time of year. And as you get into Christmas, you start thinking about all the giving. I mean, Christmas is so big in our country. Um, I'll give you a few stats on some of the spending that will happen around Christmas time. Americans spend approximately a $1,000 on Christmas each year. Um, 65% of, of U.S. holiday budgets are assigned to gift purchases, all right? Uh, 96% of Americans will buy gifts for their families. So 65% of the money that you spend goes to a gift. The other money goes towards icicle lights. 96% of you will, will buy a gift for somebody in your family. Americans spend well over $200 a year on the non-gift items. That's the fun stuff, right? On average, on average, now check this out, men spend 10% more than women do on their holiday gifts. Give the men a hand. Yeah, that's pretty good, you know. And I think it's because we just don't like to shop and find the best price. We get it, we get it now. We're done, right? And that's on Christmas Eve at 10 a.m. So anyhow, the uh, the Northeast outspends the South by $100 per person each year. That kind of surprised me. Uh, You know, we spend more on Christmas than they do in the South. And they got sweet tea, and they're having a ball down there, you know. Um, gift cards are the most popular present to receive. I've got some nephews down, down the, in, in the Carolinas, and they said, hey, we'd like gift cards and cash for Christmas. I was like, no, I'm not giving it to you. Uh, I'll give them, last year I sent them Vienna sausage. They didn't know what to do with it. You should have saw the reaction. Like, they videoed the reaction, like... Yeah, sardines. I sent sardines, too. They didn't know what sardines were. So I am, uh, you know, and I'm not even into the seven fish thing that some people do. So I sent all kind of fun things. All right, 43% of Americans begin Christmas shopping before the end of October. That should be outlawed. More than half of 50, 57% of Americans, 57% of Americans shop online for their holiday purchases. That's why the Amazon trucks are causing traffic jams. Last year's holiday season was projected that they would, that Americans would spend $859 billion on Christmas. There was a survey that was put out. Who's your favorite person, uh, to buy for? Who's the favorite people to buy on your Christmas, to buy a Christmas gift for? And number one was kids, obviously. Your own kids or for other children. But on the last of the list, much to my surprise, the last, the least favorite person to buy a gift for is dad. There's a problem with this. we've got to straighten this country out, right? We spend gifts, and so we give gifts, and the greatest gift of all of Christmas is already waiting for you. uh you know when you when you look at this picture on the screen right now, you think of the think of, I mean, that's what we want Christmas to be like. It's just so wonderful, it's magical and oh. But it typically isn't. It's kind of chaotic at times, right? Sometimes, you know, you ever see, you go online and just uh, Google search kids opening gifts, you see all these pictures, the uh, videos of them, you know, they're screaming, yeah, oh, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, ah, and they're all happy and they're opening up their gifts, right? And, uh, I mean, even one kid, he went out and he was, you know, come down, saw the big gift, and he opened it up and you know, he was all happy and he's taking the wrapping paper off and he's jumping up and down and then all of a sudden he looks at his parents and goes, what is it? He doesn't even understand what the gift is. And so I think that sometimes that's what it's like in our life. I think we've got this great gift of Christmas, the great gift of Jesus. This is the gift that is waiting for you. And you don't even realize how powerful it is. You don't even know what it really is. Like sometimes people give you a gift and, and you're like, oh, that's nice. And then you go home and, and you read the directions on the box. And you're like, oh, that, that is nice. Oh. I really wow. That's really a nice gift, but it takes you sometimes a while to come to that, and that's what we're going to look at with the gifts of Christmas. We're going to look at Matthew chapter two, beginning in verse one, and we're going to look at the uh, at the gifts of Christmas from the uh, from this passage here. We're going to look at three gifts. They they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Today we're going to look at the gift of gold, and what what does this signify to us? Because as you as you get a gift. Uh, it, 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 when you give a gift, you're thinking of the giver. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea and in the days of Herod the king. Matthew chapter 1 gives us the birth of Jesus. Matthew chapter 2 says, now after he was born, during the days of king uh, king uh, uh, of King Herod, during the reign of King Herod, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. I want you to catch this because it is there is a, a time that has passed in here. This this is not an infant now. Jesus is not an infant at this point. He's more like a toddler. It's probably most scholars believe that it's anywhere from a year to two years since Matthew chapter one. So we're you know he's he's at least a toddler you know running around now, and so it says that during this time the wise men came from the east. The word in the scripture for the east is, uh, in, in, the, in the Greek, is it means rising. So it's talking about the rising. They came from the rising. When the sun comes up, it comes up in the east. So they're saying that the sun, uh, from where, where the sun comes up, these people came from the east uh, to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now, there's a, there's a bunch of misconceptions about, the, about these wise men. Typically, you have a picture like this here, uh, the three wise men. Uh, that's coming up here. We'll put that picture up. You think of the three wise men and they came on these three camels and it just looks so wonderful. And uh, and they are there at this. And, and, you know, they're at the manger. You've got the shepherds. You've got everybody. I think the next picture I have a picture of our manger at home here. This would be the picture that you know we would typically set up. You've got your you've got Mary and Joseph. You've got the baby. You've got the three kings. Did you ever sing that song? We three kings of Orient are, right? So we think of this. Well, the scripture doesn't say anything about them being kings. And we, we've kind of got a little bit of this, this uh, culture that's kind of told us. And, and we think that there were only three Like what we've got in our mind that there were just three camels that came along and they brought their gifts. Well, that's because it says gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We just kind of made this assumption. But I want you to catch this. The text does not say that they were kings from the Orient. It says that they were the wise men. They were the king makers. These were the people that would advise the kings. These were the people that were the spiritual advisors. And they were likely from Persia and and Media, ancient Persia and ancient Media. Uh, The Medes and the Persians. Um, They did not come on Christmas night. It wasn't there. They weren't there. Whenever the shepherds were there, Jesus was a child when they came. And so we begin with the gift of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so today we're going to talk about gold, and we're going to talk about this fact that gold is was a gift for a king. That's the first part in your notes. Gold was a gift for a king. I want you to think about the, uh, the, a little bit of the, the myths and the legends of the, of the wise men. Many people throughout the years believed that they were descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, surviving families after the flood, okay? The surviving families, they, were, they thought that that was their descendants, and that's why there were three wise men. Other people, thought, uh, other people throughout the years gave them names, and you may have heard these names, Caspar, Belshazzar, and Melchor. They were given to them, and they were from different countries, from Arabia, Ethiopia, and Tarsus. Um, by the 12th century, there was a, a German bishop named Renaud of Cologne, Germany. Renaud of Cologne. And uh, Renaud he claimed to have found the skulls of the wise men. Now, can you imagine this? Interesting that he found them in Germany, isn't it? Uh, and he said that he dug up, uh, he said when he dug up the skulls, he knew that it was them, He knew that it was the wise men because he found their skulls, because their eyes were still in their sockets, and they were fixed towards Jerusalem. And I'll tell you what, there's just so many myths, so many myths out there about this stuff. We have the scripture that tells us it was wise men that have come from the east. Uh, the, uh, remember the kids, you know, when, when you teach Sunday school class downstairs you hear all kind of interesting things you know the kids will you know, you'll talk to the kings and the kings will uh, the kids will tell you different thoughts um so one sunday school teacher said this he asked he asked his kids in his sunday school class um he said what do we call the three wise men and the kid re- responds trying to say magi says we call them the three maggots and uh and then then they followed up with another question he said what what did the magi bring the first child and then another kid raised his hand and said, I know, I know, gold, Frankenstein, and Smurfs. And, uh, you know, as you go through this, there's a lot of things that we pick up through the years. know, yeah, even, even in our sing Silent Night, Holy Night, one of my favorites. I love Silent Night, Holy Night. But the night that Jesus was born, there was nothing silent. There was a lady screaming, giving birth. If you've ever been around a lady giving birth, you know there's nothing silent about it. Uh, and then then, uh, then, the angels were singing, the shepherds were coming. I mean, it was an incredible night. But I still love Silent Night. It's just a beautiful night because after, after all that was done and she settled down, and you think of the beauty of what God had done. The, the wise men in the Greek means magi. So the, the wise men there, we'll go to that verse there, verse 2 there. I'm sorry, verse 1. The, the wise men from the east, that word there is, that, what it means is magi. They were, they were from the east, and, uh, and what he says here, that, uh, that this, these were the people. Magi is where we get the word magic or magistrate. It's the root from both of those. And so these were the ruling people. These were the wise people. They were a priestly caste of the Medes, and, uh, and they were from, uh, from Perithia and Mesopotamia. And so I think I even have a map in here just to show you where the, the distance that these guys would have come over in what would be modern-day Iraq and Iran is where they would have come from, from the east. And so they make their journey to Israel. They make it on camel, if you will. And as a, as a, camel, as a camel would travel, you could get 18 to 24 miles a day out of a camel. They were skilled in philosophy and science, In science. They were skilled in science and philosophy, and they became known as men of wisdom, and they were interpreters of dreams. We see our first first look at the, uh, at the wise men actually in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel talks about wise men. The, now look at the map there. You see the, this is talking about the deportation whenever they came and, and Babylon took over Israel. And if you look on the map there, Babylon is, uh, is, is kind of in Iraq there along that border of Iraq uh, between Iraq and Iran right in that area. So the... Israel was taken captive, and they came in and they took all the wise people of Israel, and they deported them. all the All the important people. It'd be like if we were taken over by a foreign country, they would come and they would take all of our most important people, all the scientists, all the smart people, all the all the, uh, the you know the head dogs of our country. So that's what they did when the Babylonians took over Israel. And they took over Daniel. You remember Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They took Daniel out. And so Daniel was out there. He's held captive under the Babylonian Empire. He's far away from home. And what does Daniel do? He lives for God. Daniel stands up and he continues to live for God. He continued to read the scriptures. He continued to pray. Um, I always encourage young people, dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. That's what it takes. When you know that this is God, you know this is who he is, you're going to do what he's called you to do. So Daniel did that. And Daniel goes out there. And the scriptures tell us that, uh, that the wise men of Babylon, they came and they were called upon by King Nebuchadnezzar to uh, interpret a dream. So they, they were known for interpreting dreams. But Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and they could not interpret, interpret the dream. So what did they do? They get on one of the people, Daniel. They called Daniel in. And in Daniel chapter 2, we read that he, he, uh, he, he gives them the meaning of this dream. And so what he did, Daniel ends up saving the lives of the wise men. So, and, and so what happened was Daniel, no doubt, was there giving them the scriptures. You see, all these Jews ended up, many of them ended up staying in there after they had been taken captive and had to stay there. The scripture, what God was doing, God was taking his word to the Gentiles even before Jesus came. He was taking outside of the world. that uh, Jesus came for the entire world, not just for a particular group of people. And so Daniel, he in, in Daniel chapter, <clears throat> chapter 9, Daniel chapter 12, and even in Jan- Daniel chapter 2, we see the prophecies of the coming king that would one day rule the world. We see the prophecies of Jesus. It's the, the Messianic prophecies being foretold, and that was in 605 B.C. So Jesus arrives on the scene during the reign of King Herod, and, uh, and the wise men come from the east. Well, why did they come? What caused them to come? <clears throat> Obviously, it says that they followed the star. But why would you just follow a star? Numbers 24, 17. They likely had these prophecies because they had been given them from the Jewish people. A star shall come out of Jacob. That's Israel. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. A scepter, a king. And so they had this. And, and for generations, listen, David made an impact. And I want to encourage you because when, what you're doing today impacts generations. When you hand out the word of God to one person and they receive it, there is a downline of reaction and it's more than your lifetime. Daniel goes out and he gives these wise men the scriptures. And whether or not they became believers at this point, which I don't think that they were quite believers yet, but they had the scriptures. And as they had the scripture, God impacted a a generation. 600 years later, these wise men come and they're used by God and they come to to uh, to this scene. Isaiah chapter 9, they also have this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So, so they followed the star, and people asked me, what, is the, what was the star? These, these men, they were skilled in astronomy. They understood all of these things. And when they saw something different in the sky, they knew to pay attention. So when this happened, they were paying attention. And whatever the light was, the scripture tells us a star. The word star there means a light, a light from above. When you look at the Old Testament, God would often use light to guide his people. Look in the, in the wilderness, he, would, he used light to guide them. The pillar of fire by night, there was light. Whenever Moses went up to the burning bush, there was light. God often uses light, and I want to encourage you, the light that God uses today is not something you look for in the sky, but it's something that you look for in His Word. He gives you His Word, and that guides you. That light brought those people all the way to the very house, the Scripture says. Here's the point. Even foreign pagan worshipers understood that somebody significant had been born king of the Jews. So they come with a question. And their question is, where is he born king of the Jews? Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. When Herod the king was troubled, that word troubled there is uh, terasso, and it means greatly perturbed, highly agitated, deeply troubled. Have you ever been troubled? You've ever been distraught? You've ever been like, okay, this is not good? And when it just wrecks your soul, that's what happened to King Herod. So here's this wonderful scene. The baby had been born. It's a year or two later now. And now we're asking ourselves, what's going on here? Why is Herod so upset? And it says all Jerusalem troubled with him. Do you know why Jerusalem was troubled? Because when Herod was troubled, everybody was troubled. It's kind of like your house. You ever say, you know, if mom is happy, everybody's happy? I don't know. We say that in our house. <laughs> let me tell you if Herod was happy, everybody was happy. But when he wasn't, nobody was happy. He was troubled. Herod was a, a crazy guy, he was absolutely insane. They come to him, and they said, where is he that's been born king of the Jews? And let me tell you why he was so threatened, because that was the title of Herod. He was known as the king of the Jews. Let me give you a little bit of background of Herod. Herod himself was not Jewish. He was an Edomite. Uh, He came from modern-day Jordan, uh, east of the land of Israel. And the way that he rose to power was his dad. His dad, who was Herod Antipater, Antipater had done a really good job, and he had made really good connections with Rome, so they gave Judea to Herod Antipater. And when, when he died, when his dad, so this was Herod the Great, when Herod's dad, when Antipater died, Herod the Great now becomes king. And Herod, is a, uh, Herod the Great is a, is a very jealous king. He could not take any competition. Um, history tells us that he was cruel and that he was paranoid. For example, let me give you one story here. His, one of his wives, Merim, Merimne, had a brother. His name was Aristobulus. Aristobulus was a Jewish high priest. So he had married a Jew, but he himself was not a Jew. So his brother-in-law, Aristobulus, was the Jewish high priest, and he was well-liked among the people. And the people loved this guy. But one day, Herod becomes jealous. And Jesus, he, uh, Herod can't take it. It's his own brother-in-law. And he can't take the thought that, that the people might like him, might like his brother-in-law more than him, the king. So what does he do? He has him drowned. He drowns the guy. He makes sure that he gets drowned. He puts on a big funeral. He puts on a big cry. He makes it, makes it look like he's very sad. And then after the funeral, what he do? He takes down, takes down Miriamne and he takes down Miriamne's mother. I mean, he just he could not handle the competition. As a matter of fact, it was said it is safer to be Herod's pig than it is to be Herod's son. Herod was so vicious that even on his deathbed, he was he was knocking people off. Uh, They said that uh, he knew that nobody would cry when he died. So he ended up killing having a bunch of other people killed in the final weeks of his death so that he would make sure that somebody was crying when he died. This is a terrible, he was a terrible, terrible king. He was a terrible, uh, terribly jealous. Uh, Let me just read to you here. This is from Josephus. Josephus said this. He said, he did not permit the citizens either to meet together or to walk or to eat together, but watched everything they did, exhorting them to always be at work. He had spies everywhere. He would he would often put put on the clothing of ordinary citizens and mix among the multitude at night, asking them what they thought about Herod and his government. When they answered with criticism, they were punished severely, or even brought to the citadel, uh, Herencia. Both openly and secretly, they were put to death. So Herod was, Herod was threatened. As a matter of fact, you read on in, in Matthew chapter 2, Herod ends up putting out a decree that he would kill all the, uh, the males two years and under. That's how we know that Jesus had to be somewhere between one and two years at this point. And, and so listen, we have a guy that was troubled. He was, he was, uh, he was against this new king. He could not stand this. Well, read on in Matthew chapter two, beginning in verse four. When he had gathered, when Herod gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, and they were, uh, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Then he goes and he quotes, I believe it's from Micah here. That the the uh, the 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 chief priests are quoting to Herod here. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, verse 7, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. So he gets the wise men. All right, now tell me this again. How long? Where's the star? And he puts the whole story together, and he sent them to Bethlehem, and he says, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me so that I may come and worship him. And so there they are. here's, Here's the religious people. Let me tell you. The religious leaders, they dismissed it. The distance from Jerusalem to Bethlehem was five miles. That's, that's the third point you're going The religious leaders, they dismissed it. They just came... They were indifferent. Uh, this was the people that were given the promise. They had the scriptures. They, it was for the Jewish people. They knew that one day there would be a ruler come out of Israel that would rule. And, and Isaiah says to his kingdom there would be no end. They knew that there was a king coming. The, the, the wise men come with gold because they know it's a king. But the own religious leaders... They were so indifferent, they just didn't care. You know, Jesus is coming back again. There's scriptural prophecies that tell us that Jesus will one day come back. And sadly, many in today's world are indifferent. And I want to tell you, do not be indifferent. Do not be indifferent. Understand, we're not to live in fear. There's no need to fear for the coming of a king the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're going to look here at the end of how glorious that's going to be. But do not dismiss it. Man, this is how the religious leaders replied. They dismissed it. Verse 9, When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star, the light of God, which had seen, what they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Isn't that amazing? So God guides them. It's amazing that Herod didn't see the star; he didn't see the light. God was revealing Himself and taking these men on a journey. And look what it says here, Matthew chapter two, verse nine. When they heard the heard when they heard the king, I'm sorry. Continuing on that verse there, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. We'll go to verse ten now. Now continue on. I'm off here. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. Verse 10 When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And verse 11 When they had come to the house, when they had come into the house, remember, they're not at the stable anymore. This is almost two years later, one to two years later. This is a, now a toddler. When they came to the house, They saw the young child with Mary, his mother. So they saw the young Jesus, a little toddler, running around. You know, Mary's like, okay, we have company. Ooh, we got company. (laughs) And they, look what the company did. They fell down on their feet. They bowed down and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And today we're looking at this gift of gold. What is this gift of gold? What, what was this all about? Well, in the Scriptures, we see gold mentioned in the Scriptures 385 times. More than any other metal. It's considered to be the most precious of all metals. I think today we may have discovered one or two more metals that might be more precious than gold. But I'll tell you what, gold is still pretty precious, isn't it? I mean, you know, they say diamonds are a woman's best friend, but golds are even better, Right? Get your, get your wife a pair of gold earrings or a gold necklace for any occasion. You're going to be She's going to be very happy, right? She enjoys that. Gold was the gift for a king. You see, the, the, the wise men, they responded by bowing down in worship. They bowed down in worship. And I want you to catch this. Before you give your gift, give your heart. Catch that. Before you give your gift, give your heart. And if you're struggling to give your gift... It's probably because you're struggling with something in the heart. Man, when you get in the presence of the king and you give him your heart, man, everything else that you have comes behind it. Man, it's like you struggle. Oh, man, I can't, you know, i worked hard for this. God gave you everything that you have. When you give God your gold, the reason you may struggle to give God the gold is because you haven't given him your heart yet. You may have known about God. You may have known this story for all of your life. Maybe God's speaking to you today to give your heart to God. Like really, because when God has your heart, He gets everything. The heart is the center of everything. You know, when it's, let's say, man, me If you struggle with this, let me tell you, the struggle is not with the cash. The struggle is not with the gold, not with your time, not with your talent. The struggle is with the heart bowing down to Him as King. They came and they brought a gift of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gold was the gift given to a king. The church, the church historian Tertullian in the 2nd century believed that by giving Jesus the gift of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, it was the fulfillment of Isaiah 60, verse 5, that reads this, The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. I want you to think about that. This gold. They come in and they give them the gold. We'll put the picture of the gold up there. They come and they give the gold. As they come and they give the gold, here's here's this young family, a very poor family. You know, whenever you're starting out your family, you're pretty poor, right? That's, and we're still pretty poor. But anyhow, listen, when you're first starting out, man, everybody remembers, all oh, that first apartment that we lived in. I can't believe my husband made me live in that place. You know, and you have all these stories, right, because you're pretty poor. Mary and Joseph, they were pretty poor. As a matter of fact, whenever they went to, uh, to offer Jesus at the, uh, for, for, a, um, for a dedication on the seventh day, they were able to use the, the provision for the poor. The provisional sacrifice for the poor was two turtle doves. And they come and they, they take these little doves and they, they offer them for the sacrifice. Why? Because they had no money. Then nothing, and so here they are. They're trying to trying to live. They've got Jesus. I mean, Jesus comes in a very humble way, right? And now they've stayed in Bethlehem for a year, maybe two, and and now these kings come and they offer. They get down on their knees and they give him gold. And I want you to think about this young family. Herod is going to come out here in just a few weeks, and Herod's going to say, "Hey, we're going to." wipe out all the little babies, two years and under, all the baby boys, two years and under, because he didn't want anybody to threaten his kingship. And as he does that, he makes that edict. What happens? People have to flee. Mary and Joseph, as we read on, we know that they fled down to Egypt. God brought them gold. It could have been that their gold financed the trip that they were, now they had resources to go. Look at how God puts all things together for his glory. In your life, I want to remind you, God is always working and putting things together in your life. And you say, I don't understand what God's doing. Well, God was thinking about the birth of Jesus before Jesus was ever on the earth, thousands and thousands of years before that. God had it on his mind, and God said, okay, and I'm just going to, happen to have these guys come from the east and give him gold. And God did that. When Jesus died on the cross, above his head, we read in Matthew, there was a sign that said, this is Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. He's the king. Revelation tells us this. Revelation 19.16 says that when he returns, he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you see this is the king? When Jesus was born, this was the king. And we see this by the gift that was coming to them. You know, whenever you give a gift, you're always thinking about the giver. Man, I, you know, you give the gift, you, you, you think about the giver. If somebody is into sports, you don't give them tickets to the Nutcracker, right? They may not enjoy that too much. Like, you know, if they, like, really love hockey games and, and Steeler games you get them the hockey game and the Steeler game tickets. And if somebody's really into the ballet and the nutcracker, you get them the ballet and the nutcracker tickets, right? Well, this is what was happening. This tells us about who this is. He's a king. The king of kings and the lord of lords. And so my question is this. How are you responding to the king? How are you responding to Jesus? He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but do you worship Him? Have you bowed down your heart yet? You know, you may know all about God. You may know all about, you may have read the Bible from cover to cover. You may have studied it well. But do you know Him? Have you given Him your heart first? You may have given all kinds of things. Have you given your heart first? Before we give Him the goal, we give Him our heart. Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where there's a king, there's a kingdom. All throughout the book of Matthew, you read this word, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. You read this in the scriptures. If he's the king, it means that he's in charge. And if he's in charge, what does that mean for you and me? We're not in charge. We're under the king. And so today I want to encourage you. Would you come and worship him as the king? You see, when you worship God, he makes change in your life. This is how, listen, I've heard people tell me over and over through the years. People will always tell me, I'm trying harder. I've started, I've turned a new leaf. I'm, I, I. Let me tell you, the way that you get that change that you're desiring today is to worship the king. Look here, verse 12. After they worshipped, they gave their gift. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. God led them down a new path. When you worship the Lord, now catch this you come and you bow your heart down to the King, you will go down a new path. God will direct you. You will. Everything will change. And it will be glorious. It will be wonderful. It will be the change that you're trying to make in your life. But only God can give you that change. And it doesn't happen by trying harder. And I'm not going to do this or I am going to do that. It comes from, oh, He is the King and I worship and I bow down. I read a story about a a naval, naval recruit. He had just gotten into the Navy and uh, he built up the courage to ask his uh, commanding officer for a a weekend pass to get out to go to a wedding, to attend a wedding that he would be in. And so he got his pass, but the commanding officer said, make sure that you are back on the base by 7 p.m. on Sunday. And the young recruit looked back at him and he built up this courage and he said, but sir, you don't understand. I'm in the wedding. And the naval officer looked back at him and said, Sir, you don't understand. You're in the Navy. And you know, I think this is where our struggle comes from. You don't understand. He's king. He's king. God makes all things new. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Listen, I've watched this. I've been a witness to it. I have seen it in my life, and I've watched it in many of your lives that when you truly worship this God, He makes all things new. Everything. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to worship. I want to invite you. Maybe maybe you've not opened your heart to Christ yet. That's where it all begins. And you can do that right here. Jesus died on the cross and He paid for your sin This little baby would grow up and live a perfect life. And as he lived that perfect life, he ends up giving his life for you. That's the gift that's waiting, eternal life, life abundant from Christ. So today I want to invite you to trust Christ as your Savior. Just pray something like this to the Lord. Just pray, dear God, I humble myself right now and I I worship you. I'm a sinner, and I've done wrong things. I've offended the holiness of God. But today I realize that Jesus came to pay for my sin and that he's king. I submit my heart and soul to the king. Jesus died for my sins. He was buried, and he rose again the third day. And I invite you, Jesus, into my life right here. Right now. And for others this morning. Maybe God's been talking to you about a number of things. Maybe God's been talking to you about that heart thing. Maybe you struggle with many things in the Christian life. Because it's a heart issue. Because once the heart is taken care of streams of living water flow from that heart the scriptures tell us you will find the streams of christ flowing through you it'll be transformation god will allow you to give your gold i want to encourage us as a church have you given your gold the gold of your life to jesus your time your talent and your treasure we give them to god but before we can give them Oh, we'll be stingy. We'll be scared. We'll be, we'll be afraid we won't be able to make it if I give that to God. But before we do that, we must first give Him our heart. And then you'll be surprised at the gold you'll give God. You'll be surprised at the time, the talent, the treasure you give Him. You'll be surprised at the joy you'll find in giving to the Lord because you're worshiping the King. Father, be with each person in this room and watching online today as we open our hearts and we realize you are God, you are great, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and God, we bow down and we worship you, and God, as we give, we give to you because you are the King, and we're so thankful that we can be living in your kingdom, Lord, that we are part of your realm. God, we're so thankful that not only are we part of your kingdom, part of your realm, but we have your will, Lord, not my will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song of worship and worship the King of Kings.